What's up, Georgia football fans? My name is Scott Duvall, and you are listening to episode 258 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is Will and Tony's episode. I'm not on it because I'm in the Northeast Georgia mountains, and the cell service I have is less than stellar, and the internet service I have is less than stellar. I'm even wondering how long it's going to take to upload this episode. But Will and Tony discuss what Georgia did versus South Carolina last night, basically dominating the Gamecocks in every phase of the game, which is nice payback for what they did to us last year and especially our hedges. I even saw a couple of photos on social media where it looked like South Carolina has hedges. Who knew? But uh, over at Willie Bryce, it looked like uh, Monty Rice had himself a piece of hedge, which, hey, I'm here for. Uh, But yeah, this is Will and Tony on this episode. And uh, hey, also, if you're looking for some holiday gifts, uh, I know that the North Side and West Side Bottle Shops have gift sets uh, for that special someone, whether it's a beer gift set or wine or spirits. So make sure to stop by them uh, with any kind of questions. They're very helpful, and you can order online and pick up. It's very safe, uh, very accommodating, and yes, that North Side Bottle Shop location is almost like a bottle shop museum. So go check them out. And also, if you're hungry and looking for lunch or dinner options in and around Athens, Georgia, some of the best options are in Five Points over at El Barrio and the Pine Bar. And then if you're in Watkinsville, the pub on Main. But without any further ado, I'm going to let you all listen to Tony and Will talk about this uh, post-game episode of Georgia, South Carolina. And here's Will. Yeah, Will is going to start this one off. 45 to 16 is the final score of Georgia's. Important, maybe not important, but certainly helpful, handy victory over South Carolina. Scott is not here. He's in the mountains somewhere, being a man of mountains. It's just me and Tony. Uh, Generally speaking, I think there's things to nitpick defensively in this game. Uh, But it was nice to see that Georgia remembered that this is a team that's supposed to run the ball. Run the ball, Bobo. What do you think, Tony? Well, I mean, as far as uh, Agent, Agent Bobo goes, mission accomplished. Um, yeah, you know, I found it, um, interesting as that game, we came out in the first drive and threw the ball and threw the ball. I was like, okay, well, this is, this is who we are now. Uh, and I think really once we established the run and knew we could run the ball that, uh, ended any hopes of Daniels having a second straight 400 yard passing game. I don't think he, I think he could have gotten it if he wanted it. Right. Um, yeah, it's clear that it's clear that Georgia was, um, as opposed to last year where, it looked like Georgia, it, it was raining and there were some other things going on where it felt like that we were um, <clears throat> struggling to do things for the sake of doing them. Uh, Georgia very much said, okay, we know we can run the football and we're going to do that until you stop us And South Carolina never stopped us. Yeah. And South Carolina was pretty depleted. I think that, that that's, that's clear. And, you know, uh, I feel like, uh, we can get into this in the regular show this week, but it's starting to feel like, uh, the walls of COVID are really starting to close in on all sports right now. You're starting to see, we see what's going on with the, the Broncos with no quarterbacks and, uh, San Francisco can't play their home games, in their home stadium. And South Carolina looked like a team for the, for the, for the record, supposedly Mississippi state had the same problem. It didn't seem to be as bad, but South Carolina in particular, uh, I felt like they kind of had a scrappy quarterback i kind of like that dude um and i think there was some tackling issues with the georgia defense but man south carolina's defense was just they'd had nothing like they they, they really were able to just Georgia's kind of do what they wanted i think part of that's because georgia's offense is back on track i think part of it also is that south carolina just really was missing a lot of guys yeah the offensive line georgia's offensive line looked a little uh there were times where they just 
like it felt like they whiffed on guys, and which is um, a, a strange. I, I think I hope Sawyer is uh, hope Sawyer is okay. I hadn't seen anything about about him. I thought that was who was went down early, uh, like in the uh, went down the second quarter. Um, but you know, beyond that, uh, you know, and, and we'll get to the defense, um, the disappointing part of the defense giving up a ninety nine yard drive. Um, but I, you know, I felt like the def- that South Carolina's defense was overmatched. Um, and it, to the point where every time, even if we just ran the ball right in the teeth of defense, I was mad if we weren't getting two or three yards. And there were times where it looked like we would be stopped at three or four yards and the entire pile just suddenly lurched forward six more yards. And that is, um, it's, it, it, in a weird way, this was exactly the kind of game that you would have seen us play and win in 2017. Uh, a lot of running, just enough passing back the backers up off the, the line. Uh, a quarterback who went, oh, what were his numbers? Something like 10 of 16 or something. Um, you know, r- rather pedestrian from that standpoint, uh, but super efficient. You know, 10, 10 of 16, 139 yards, two TDs, a 40, you know, 40 yard long pass. Um, so, and with you know a ton of running, three hundred fifty plus yards of running, uh, four guys pushing for a hundred yards. Um, you, this is a game where it, you, you should be able to do that against South Carolina, right? And I think that that taps back into the frustration that people felt last year. Is like, why didn't we do that against South Carolina last year? Um, and I also felt like a little bit like Kirby was was also sending a message that, hold on, let's not we're not going to give up on the run just because we have a passing quarterback, which I I'm fine with as long as you can run the ball. Uh, and, and again, Coley's offensive schemes looked fantastic. Guys were schemed open a ton. We had an entire drive where all we did was throw to Trey McKitty. Okay. Yeah. Put that in my veins. Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do like the fact that we've now set up a pattern that every single time Jeremy Kitty does anything, we just all text Scott Meow. <laughs> I'm just very proud of us for doing that <laughs> on, a, on, a, on a regular basis. Um, yeah, you know, and it was weird because it did, it did feel, on one end, I don't think I needed Kirby Smart to prove to me that he was going to go back to running the ball. I felt like that's, that's always kind of the, the natural state of water uh, for him, really kind of across the board. Uh, but, you know, you can see... You know, generally speaking, if we go into my general concept that basically all you're doing is just trying to build for Labor Day of next year when you're playing Clemson, uh, and, and that's really kind of what you're building for across the board, you can see them start to weave in, okay, we're a passing team here and passing steps to run here and run sets up here. The idea of the offense, the way the offense is supposed to work. And uh, you can see that coming into place. But again, it's a, it's, a South, it's a South Carolina defense that wasn't entirely there. But I think it's clear the offense is playing like some uh, even though the season theoretically is uh, uh, I guess there's not mathematically eliminated from winning the SEC East it's clearly uh, not going to happen I would say it's a strange place that Illinois has a better chance of making the conference championship game right now than Georgia does. That's a kind of a crazy thing uh, but more to the point the offense is playing like they have something to prove I'm not sure the defense is playing that way. For me, the, the defense uh, after Florida, or even I guess I guess halfway through Florida, uh, the defense kind of, to be honest, seems like it's. I mean, they're still there. They still are able to make plays, but they're missing a ton of tackles, and it just doesn't. They just don't really seem to have that uh, that 
that vibe, that uh, that attacking thing that we've seen them at the best and seen them have in the past years. Yeah, we saw some of that yesterday, but I think I agree with you that they are. Um, I, I, I still think I still think missing uh, the count as doing something to their minds, um, and it feels a little bit like that when when you when you say that. I think I think what you're saying because you've said this before is that you know they. They don't look like they're having fun, like in in the way that like Dan Rubenstein talked about in seventeen, or or we even saw them earlier in the season. Um, and I think there is some some merit to that, um, although I don't think it's across the board. I think there's some players that feels that way, which is weird. Um, I, I do do want to be careful about that last touchdown drive. Um, there were a ton of guys that are. Best second string, and and there were some guys in there that are, you know, second or third stringers who are also seniors who are, you know, they were getting some playing time in a blowout. Um, the, uh, you know, it's, I think it's, um, I think we saw that lapse most uh, you know, plainly on the touchdown drive where they they just the first touchdown drive where they just marched down the field like eight plays, bam, 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 bam. Um, but you know, after that they. They had a drive of negative 12 yards, a drive of negative 12 yards, a drive of negative one yards. Uh, and then uh, they had another drive going that then we intercepted the ball. Um, it, it feels like this is a team, and, and it can be a problem when we play a higher scoring team, perhaps in the Peach Bowl or whatever, um, where it does feel like the offense, a defense, particularly in the first half, plays. Um, with less urgency than you would like to see them play uh, that it's, this is fine. We're going to stop them when we get to the goal line, but that's how you dig yourself a 21, nothing hole. And while I feel a lot better about our offense's ability to dig ourselves out of that hole than I would have a month ago. Um, it's still, I still don't want to be in that situation because I don't want to find out that I'm, I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Again, you know, everybody's kind of struggling with this a little bit, right? The idea that, I mean, your best case scenario at this point is, I guess, Cincinnati and the Peach Bowl, which doesn't actually sounds kind of fun <laughs> now that I mentioned it, but uh, that's where everybody is. It's weird. Like, it's just even the weird, the vibe they have when they broadcast the games. There's always that moment of, well, you know, the season obviously hasn't turned out the way that Georgia wanted to. I mean, they're what, six and two, five and two? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know that uh, take if, if they'd have played, uh, you know, uh, Arkansas, I guess Arkansas, but they'd have played, you know, uh, Mississippi rather than Alabama at the beginning of the year. Uh, we're talking about a playoff team here. <laughs> they're going to move up to at least eight uh, in 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 the in the rankings. I don't think they're going to stay there, obviously, but that's the point. Is that like this is still generally success, but it doesn't feel that way, and the team doesn't play that way. They still feel like a team that is uh, the offense feels like it's auditioning for twenty twenty one. Uh, and the defense feels like they're ready to get to 2021. And I, I agree with you. There are times that they weren't like that. And I think LeCount not, not being in there, but it just, it does, the whole vibe of the, where this, I guess it's a mark of success, but it's still a strange place to be when you look at the idea that, uh, that, okay, well, you know, they wiped out a, a team that beat them last year. <laughs> it doesn't really have a revenge tour vibe. <laughs> I'll put it that way. They don't seem too excited to go, uh, to go get South Carolina back. And so that's kind of the way it is, is that like, I'm glad the office is working. It feels like, um, I know they said during the broadcast that like, wow, Georgia just finally figured out its quarterback a little bit late and they realized that's going to be a narrative all, all, all the way through, uh, even in 
into next year, and we can get into Mathis here in a moment too. But uh, it's certainly just I haven't quite wrapped my arms around the just the weirdness of not just this whole COVID season, but just the idea that Georgia is wiping out South Carolina, um, and people are just kind of yawning. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the air has left the room, um, or did leave the room after the loss to uh, Florida, which is, I guess, to be expected. And in a way, this is the cost of flying at such a high level. But I can also assure you that it felt the same way 12 years ago when Georgia was, you know, uh, almost right there, um, you know, and just couldn't get over the Florida hump. And I, th- I think there's. Um, yeah, I think if you were to ask a Florida fan the past three years, they would they would feel very much the same way. I mean, again, they were talking about potentially Ismail and the guy that's going to get us over the hump a year ago. Um, there is also an element of, um, uh, you know, we all are trying to figure out our way here, and I'm glad you brought up Mathis. Um, can you? I saw like at the briefest of like hint of that. What what is happening there? Mathis is gone. Mathis is apparently leaving, right? You saw that. Okay. And, uh, and it, it appears that, like, and listen, uh, Emerson kind of wrote about, about how uh, it was really just a matter of time, timing, really. Like, clearly, apparently he was below Beck on the depth chart last okay. week. Mm-hmm. So, once, yeah, once, once he's below Beck on the depth chart, there's not a lot of reason for him to continue to hang around. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I, I don't really blame him for it. Uh, it is kind of a shame considering what that guy's been through and what, what he kind of had to, to get back to, to uh, get back on the field. And I hope that both he and Georgia have good memories of their time together because I think Georgia helped him a lot when that happened. And I think that he, uh, uh, uh it didn't really work out for him here, but I think that, uh, I think that I still feel like it's a good story and, and a good thing to go around. But to me, it's a sign, right? That I think this is Daniel's team and it's going to be Daniel's team in the Clemson game. And that feels like that's what the conversation, that's what everything's building to. And that's what I want to see from Vanderbilt. That's what I want to see. I, have you heard, like, I, we can talk about this this week. I still, it's, they're weirdly vague about whether they're going to redo the Missouri game or not. Like, it feels like they're not going to. Well, I think right. I mean, they haven't even put a time on the uh, Vanderbilt game Vanderbilt, yet, right? Right. Unless, right. unless they did it this morning, they um, haven't yet. No. Yeah. So I think you know, the SEC, I think, has learned their lesson on on scheduling games two weeks out because they, they CBS had to give up a three thirty time slot and whether they put UNLV Nevada or something in there maybe uh, two weeks ago. Um, so I think I, I think the SEC is really being really careful in scheduling, uh, so they don't put them back themselves into a corner. And, and just basically lose a broadcast slot. And um, I, my guess is, is that they will schedule, they will say whether we're playing Vanderbilt or Missouri this week, uh, and we will still schedule Missouri um, and still have that game on the 12th. Um, but I, it, whether we play Missouri this weekend or, or Vanderbilt this weekend, I, I, I assume that'll be something we find out Monday when they release, uh, or maybe they'll do it today. It's hard to say, but um it's just it is interesting because I kept checking the the SEC website all last week looking for that game time, and it occurred to me what they were doing. They're just really holding back to see what happens because the way the schedule the the their scheduling policies, at least as we know them today, is that 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 game they have some flexibility to reschedule games as long as they were originally on the schedule. They're not going to jump in and now suddenly schedule Georgia versus Mississippi, um, but. If they have flexibility, like if they feel like they can play, um, and this is purely a hypothetical, so I don't have any idea if they played yet, but like, um, 
you know, Alabama and uh, Arkansas because that, that game got canceled and it matters in standings. Um, they might pull an Arkansas game forward uh, or they might change that game to next weekend instead of having Arkansas play whoever they're supposed to play Mississippi or something. Um, and that, that is just to try to get the, the teams that have to play in the, the SEC championship game to give the most clarity there. Um, which brings up, maybe we could talk a second about a lion, the fighting a lion, scaring off the mighty Ohio state Buckeyes. They scared. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, <clears throat> we talk about Georgia not making the uh, season being over, not making the playoff. Uh, playoffs can be running out of team soon uh, if they're not careful. Uh, just to remind everyone, if Ohio State's game next week gets canceled, which is very much on the table, we still don't know who's tested positive on that team other than uh, Ryan Day. Day. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's possible that Justin Fields has tested positive and maybe has the rest of the year. We, we literally have no idea. Um, but if their game against Michigan State gets canceled, they are ineligible to play in the Big Ten championship game. And now that could change if a bunch of other games gets can, uh, canceled in the Big Ten because they have a uh, the contingency plan where if everyone plays under an average amount of games, uh, everyone can be made eligible again. But if but that but if they get if Iowa State gets their game canceled next week, it will be their third canceled game, and and that would mean that they are ineligible for the Big Ten championship game. Now, as I know that on Twitter last night, uh, thanks to, to Robert Rosenthal from Alliant from the Illini Board website, uh, Illinois is um, still has a chance to make the Big Ten championship. Championship game, which means Tony, there's still a chance that Illinois versus Indiana is is on the table in the Big Ten championship game, which would be a wonderful thing. But more to the point, uh, if Ohio State doesn't make the Big Ten championship game, I don't know how you can possibly justify putting them in the playoff. And I think that's something that you're going to see across the board, right? Oh yeah, I think we'll have a whole podcast about that if that happens. Um, yeah, yeah, that's I, pretty I, wild. I think there was a fair amount of bandwidth spilt on that yesterday, that very topic um, around college football. And I, I think you, you, it's impossible. Like, as we know it today, it's hard to say because, you know, the only team from the Pac-12 that you thought might make it lost um, uh, against Oregon State with Oregon losing to Oregon State. Um, uh, you know, Iowa State has played essentially them, played themselves essentially into the Big 12 championship game. They have two losses. Um you could potentially be looking at a place where the college football playoffs are throwing their hands up in the air. It's like, do we take a five and Ohio state over a six and two Florida? <laughs> and, um, I am, I, I, as much as I dislike Ohio state, I'm never going to argue with leaving Florida out and letting them, letting them cry about it. Uh, I mean, can you justify a, Four and O or five and O Ohio State over an eleven and O Cincinnati? Uh, I no, mean, I, I don't think yeah. so at all. I don't think you. Yeah, no, no. And I bet, but they, they 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 probably will. They probably um, will, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, although, like, yeah. although if they put Cincinnati in over Ohio State, I am on. There's a level of Schadenfreude there is just amazing, considering Luke Fickle and considering they're in the same state and um, Ohio State, like now won't schedule Cincinnati <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, and part good. of that Cincinnati is like, oh, we're picking a program we could do. We'll do a two for one with you, but we're not just coming up there for a buy game. Um, and um, that's uh, that could be, it could be, there's a lot of palace intrigue uh, in the offing there. If that's what happens. Last thing before we uh, close up, we got to pray their heads inside. How about we pray their heads inside? Very exciting. Brookstone zone. 
Fraithor Hudson, Columbus, Georgia's uh, Fraithor Hudson got in for a call. And boy, did he look happy about it, by the way. Yeah, he had a, <laughs> he had a nice little run there, right? Yeah, yeah, a nice run. He was looked very happy mm-hmm. in the sideline. I feel like uh, I, maybe it speaks well to the running depth chart of Georgia that he's getting less playing time this year, or maybe it just means they're getting fewer blowouts. <laughs> maybe there's fewer human victory cigars. But I was glad to see one last time. Uh, who knows? Maybe he'll get in against Vanderbilt next week. But I was glad to see Fraithor Hudson. And I also love that I got shout outs so many times over Twitter. Every time he gets the ball, poor his relatives are going to be like, "Hey, Prather got in. Let's search." Why are they yelling at? Who is this guy that they're all talking about here? I felt kind of bad for him. Well, yeah, I mean, you have to do. I I mentioned it in passing earlier. I mean, the rushing game did look really good. I mean, Cook had 101 yards. White had 84 yards. McIntosh had 79. Dejon Edwards had 77. And there wasn't a single time where any of them were running. They looked like they were running tentatively, which is good because. We've seen that out of white a little bit. And, um, you know, Cook was finally utilized in a way that I think all of us thought he, he would be. Is that, that kind of change of pace, quick quick out guy, and looking for ways to get him ball in space. Um, and I do also want to mention, with any luck, we'll have basketball this week. Um, it, you know, we were supposed to play, what, Wednesday, and that game got canceled that morning. Uh, yeah, just this morning, just this morning, Tom Crean said uh, uh, both Florida A&M and Georgia have no positive tests, so they will be tipping off at 2 o'clock. Uh, I, I'm going. I'm going to the game with my son, so I will be there at uh, two, 2 o'clock today. Uh, yeah, man. Florida A&M, the, I, the alma mater of uh, Walter Payton, I believe. Yeah. But, oh, did Walter Payton go to Florida A&M? I thought he did. Man, yeah, I'm going to have Chad look that up. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll have Chad look that up. Um, either way, uh, it's uh, it's exciting, right? Walter Payton went to Jackson State. Jackson maybe? State, you're right. Maybe. Jackson State. I don't remember. Oh, Vince Coleman. Vince Coleman. Oh, yes, Florida Vince Coleman. That's um, who I'm thinking of. Florida yeah. A&M. So we. Um, he was a punter for Florida A&M. Vince Coleman was. Vince Coleman was a punt. That part I know. Oh. He was a punter for Florida A&M. And he was also a kicker, and he kicked a field goal to beat Miami in like 1979. That well, that's amazing. Yeah, I'll take so, that anytime. Yeah, sorry about um, Walter Payton. I meant, I meant, I meant Vince Coleman. Yeah, no, it's always. I, you know what? I I barely remember my kids' birthdays. So <laughs> that's um, true. That's true. But yeah, we'll have to. We'll get together this week once we know who we're playing. Yeah, who we're playing. It is weird that, that there's a possibility we don't, we don't actually know who they're playing. <laughs> like they're probably yeah. playing Vanderbilt, but they could be playing at Missouri. Who knows what's going to happen? It's a uh, it's that kind of year again. Denver has no quarterbacks for their game today. So. Yeah, that's that's going to be fascinating, right? Yeah, um, but you know, we, we um, it, you know, future listener, if you now if you know who we're playing next week, please don't yell because we don't know because we're recording <laughs> yeah. this at nine o'clock on uh, on Sunday morning. Don't spoil it for us. We, we want to don't, yeah, don't spoil it for us. Um, all right, we'll be back. Th- we'll be back on uh, Tuesday. We're gonna do our regular show in person, previewing a game sometime against someone. <laughs> be safe, Tony, and go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back this week on Tuesday night. Yes, Tuesday night we're going to be recording. And Georgia looks like they're going to play Vanderbilt, which they're tentatively scheduled to play them. But as you heard in the episode, uh, who knows? I mean, it's 2020 and there's like two games left in the season. Uh, Georgia's probably going to play those. But, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that. Um, But, yeah, have a great week. Uh, It's early December, or it's about to be December. Yeah, the mountain air is getting to me. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and end this. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you on campus sometime soon. And as always, go dogs.